Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to the 336th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barton, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Sean Wisniewski and Mark Hicks. Tonight, we're visiting with longtime friend of the show, Brian Brazil. So welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me back. Hey, not a problem. We got to keep you even with Wilbur. I think y'all are neck and neck. (laughs) Who knew that was a competition? Well, it's one in my mind, you know. Oh, me and Wilbur (laughs) do that. <laughs> so anyway, well, well, I I know you had a, a recent visit from Wilbur, Wilbur, so uh, we'll go into that uh, here in a few minutes. But uh, before we get on to that, let's see what's happening in the woodworking news. So I guess the big announcement is the MWA podcast is now on Patreon. Yes, yes. If you'd like to are. be a supporter of the show, please go over to Patreon.com forward slash MWA podcast and uh, just look for us there. Um, This is uh, not a big money grab. We're just trying to pay some bills around here for our hosting and uh, equipment and that kind of thing. We've been lucky that uh, basically Diami's been uh, subsidizing us for all these years. Mm -hmm. He really has. (laughs) He really has. And we'd kind of like to get him out from subsidizing us. So um, if you, uh, if you are a supporter of the show, we got a, we got a, few uh, tiers there um, that you can join. We have um, the MWA light tier, which is a buck 99. And we have the, hold on my, oh, sorry. And we have the MWA L tier, which is 599 per month. And the MWA black and tan tier, which is 1999 a month. And the MWA stout tier, which is $29.99. $29.99. And we went with the $99 just for fun. So for a buck ninety-nine, you get early access to the episodes. For the $5.99 tier, you get a sticker and early access to the episodes. And if you jump up to the black and tan, you get one free beer at any woodworking event that you see us at. Now, I'm gonna say if we have enough people join at that tier, we'll, we'll probably turn that into a challenge coin. So if you present us a challenge coin, we will buy you a free beer. Or buy you a beer, should I say? And uh, then we have the uh, uh, the uh, twenty nine ninety nine tier, and with that you get all the above plus a t shirt. So um, if you're, you know, uh, you know, we uh, we certainly hope that you will want to uh, support us. And if you do, just go over, like I said, patreon.com forward slash mwa podcast. Uh, there is a link in our profile on Instagram. Um, and go visit that. And because we don't have any, we're just now rolling this out. So there are no Patreons as of yet. And, uh, just check with Patreon. And as soon as we get a few Patreons, we will actually, uh, show up in the search results. So, <laughs> Oh, not until then. Okay. Not until then. Yes. Yes. I was like, why am I not showing up in your search results? They said, well, you got to have a few Patreons first. So, um, again, um, if you do want to support us, just go over to patreon.com forward slash MWA podcast, or like I said, visit our um, Instagram account and the link is in our profile. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, please reach out to us. If you have guys have any opinions on this, we've historically not been the, uh, the 
uh, uh, begging types, <laughs> you know, and this <laughs> exactly. is not, and, and, and it's not that, I mean, there is an opportunity to, you know, to subset the, the costs of doing this and we racked it up and it's, it's, there's stuff and we hope to possibly improve over the years, you know, through our own efforts, we've improved sound quality. Um, and we've, we've done things like that. We want to obviously cover our costs for hosting the website and, and, subscribing to the pod or you know, posting the podcast and all that other stuff but god willing we get to a more normal thing we want to be able to go to events and meet up with people and and this will all help operate that a little better we're not uh, we're not trying to profit from any of this no. so a long time ago when patreon started uh give or take one of the shows i listened to uh the the idea of this being a value for value proposition came up, said, if you get value from us, you'll give something back. That's that's it's a common thing. That's the whole, you know, PBS telethon theory. You know, hey, we provide the service to you. If you find any value in that, could you please, you know, give give just a little bit. And at the dollar ninety nine level, the base level, I mean, that's that's relatively simple. That's giving you that that's per month give mind you so that's four episodes of what we've been consistently producing and so you break that down to 50 cents an episode my gosh you can barely get a coke at the corner store you know for what that would be so i mean if you can equate it to that and make it a simple thing and you're willing to support us we thank you exactly couldn't have said it better myself yeah so it's, <laughs> it's yeah we've been free for so long all these years but uh yeah we do need to we do need to pay the bills and uh, get uh, Diami off the hook, and you know, like I, I, like I will say, I, my my wife would not allow me to do what Diami has done for eight <laughs> plus years for this show. Exactly. Would, he actually, well, fast forward a little bit, but I, um, he told me, he said, ah, what is it? It's six hundred dollars a year. Whoa. <laughs> you know, like, I know, no, really, okay, you break that down per month, but da, 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 it's not that much, but. Yeah, that's coming out of his credit card currently, and we'd like to maybe help that out. Exactly, that's, that's a big part of this. Yeah, and he's kind of our silent backer right now, so. Yeah, uh, I mean, but hopefully going forward here, we're going to get him involved in more. We're going to yeah. change our recording schedule a little bit to allow a little more Diami in our exactly. lives. Exactly. Well, there's never a little more Diami. There's. <laughs> <laughs> it's all or nothing. But anyway, that's enough of our spill. So uh, just uh, go go to our Instagram page, look at our profile. There it is, patreon.com forward slash MWA podcast. So um, with that, we'll move on to um, a new product. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, Silent Mill, a.k.a. Craig Becker on uh, uh, Silent Mill on Instagram, should I say, has a new spiral all that he has produced, and it's uh, 75 bucks. And it looks absolutely fantastic. In fact, uh, Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit more about it? I, I uh, ordered one of these when they first came out, um, and it just showed up today. And it is it is every bit as gorgeous as it looks in the photos. And uh, I need to I need to post a picture of it in my hand to give a better sense of scale. But basically, with with the the brass round in the palm of my hand uh, and my finger running down the length of the of the awl the the part where it's uh, polishes out into a, a nice sharp point just sticks out about an inch past my finger so it's really the scale is nice 
uh, I don't have enormous hands or anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a really beautiful little tool. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's very nicely done. I, I, I don't remember, we talked to him not too long ago. I don't know if he mentioned these, uh, in production, but, um, I mean, they're, they're pretty, but as Mark has described, they're functional. The, mm-hmm. the end, the end is, is it brass? I'm guessing. Um, yeah, the, the head is brass and then the, it looks like a, a well, tool steel yeah, uh, for looks, the, look for the scratch. But, and, and, and the brass is, is rounded nicely to fit, like Mark said, like right in the palm of your hand. Yeah. He's, he's turned it really nicely. Yeah. So that's, that's a nice detail to just kind of have this thing that's, you know, cause not everyone uses an all, but you, you know, a pointy thing like that you want to have close contact to. And so it's controlled by your entire hand as you go down and looks good. That twist, that twist is phenomenal. That's, it's really, I mean, it's just, a, it's, it, that's purely aesthetic. It doesn't need that for the strength or whatever. Um, and no, fact, it's just a nice detail. He, yeah. he, he's got an eye for detail and it's, it's mm-hmm. well machined. It's well done. For sure. So. Very nice. So go yeah. to silentmill.com and pick up your, an all for yourself. Yeah, I may have to do that. I only have like <laughs> about six of them right now. But. You know what? And I have one that I got. I don't even remember when or where. And I think the tip of it's slightly bent because <laughs> it got dropped or something. <laughs> like it's not great, but it works. You know what I use mostly? You know, for to to mark a point like that. I've got a whole set of gimlets. Those oh like yeah. Hand twist mm-hmm. things. And so yep. I take the smallest one and I can just twist that. And that basically does essentially the same thing. It'll poke into most, most anything. Um, yeah. But, you know, something like this would be very nice. Well, I think uh, I like my I have a birdcage all that I use for for, you know, drilling out points to help start my Brad point bits. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but something like this with with a round point. I mean, uh, I think this would be really good for Greenwood mm-hmm. uh, because, oh. you know, you know, a lot of times knife marks don't quite show up. Pencil marks don't show up well. Uh, but something like this would actually kind of scratch it. I mean, it's a scratch all. So, yeah, um, that's probably where I would tend to pull it out and use it the most. Um, I mean, I, I I guess I'm now a collector of tools. I don't I've always kind of thought of myself as not a collector of tools, but <laughs> I just I saw it. I, I thought it was really nicely made. And yep. I've had some conversations with him, with Craig, since we had him on and uh, I kind of I wanted to support him. And, um, yep. you know, I, if I had an idea for a great little small tool like this, I, I would hope that people who, you know, maybe they don't need it really bad, but they wanted to kind of <laughs> get something that wasn't a five thousand dollar workbench. Um, you know, that's that's a way to do it. And so that's kind of how I look at stuff like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just a little yeah, piece, of, prob- piece of, yeah. of art from somebody who I appreciate. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure I'll be picking one up too. It's, you know, I, I have kind of a fetish for marking and measuring tools. So don't ask me how many squares I have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to get to a new one. I'm probably going to order two coming up here in a minute. But mm-hmm. uh, before we get there, um, Craig uh, has introduced some uh, upgraded or new pocket hole jigs. So it looks yeah, like they've upgraded their line of, of uh pocket hole jigs and it looks really nice yeah i mean they they yeah. it, you know i have I, what i think is one of the earliest ones where mm-hmm. it was an exposed kind of metal cam action little plunger uh yeah you, you probably know. have the same one i i do yeah and i forget if it what it, i it's been 10 years or so i've had it for a while and i'm yeah. I, i'm looking at it now and going yeah and i did i i'm remembering now looking at this I somehow lost that drill bit. <laughs> it's a big old drill bit and but, I don't know where it is, but 
I need to find it or get a new one. But I, I don't do a bunch of pot holes. But this stuff, I mean, right after I got that, not long after I got that, they introduced the one that had the the um, suction shroud. They had like you could hook a vacuum up to it to clear the pieces out because those are always a problem. In oh that well, that's the one I got then. And see, I have it before that. Okay, I have the okay, one gotcha. that was it yeah. was like really modular. There was just a bunch of separate pieces that you needed to fit together. Mm-hmm. And um, but now they're getting into. I mean, hell, that one has got a pistol grip on it. You know? Yeah, they got one with the pistol grip, and then the top of the line one auto adjusts to the yeah, to wood, yeah. which is fantastic. That's really cool because yeah, yeah. I mean the, again, the thing I've got to do is change the depth on yeah. my the the col the stop collet on the drill bit is the only way of adjusting for thickness. Yeah. You know, and I've got the little setup thing to then know where to slide that and tighten yeah. it down. Now, now I'm like you. I rarely use my pocket hole jig, but when mm-hmm. I do. It's, you know, all my shop furniture is built with pocket holes, mm-hmm. basically. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It, you know, just throw it together, boom, boom, you know, glued and screwed, and let's move on. And, and uh, yeah, so, you know, that's really when I break that thing out. But, um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to replace it with this. Uh, mine works fine. But, yeah, having, if I was just getting into the game, yeah, I would pick this up. You know, my first few pieces of furniture I built were with pocket holes and they're still fine there. Yeah. 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 So as long as you them well. Yeah. A big fan of combining pocket holes and dominoes. Yep. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I, uh, I don't have anything to do with dominoes. I can do pocket holes, but yeah. once I find a drill bit, but the, um, <laughs> yeah, it, they, they really, I mean, it's a nice advancement. I mean, it's the, the, the pro, the, the 720 pro, I yep. mean, it's just essentially the grown up version of what I have. But it's mm-hmm. got the self-adjusting depth and nice little kind of cam action locking. Um, $150 gets you a whole kit and caboodle, including dust back, including bits, drivers, yeah. clamp, a clamp, and, and a, a small. And I want to say that's real close to what I paid for mine. You know, 10, 11, yeah, 12 I think, years ago. I think yeah. so. So I mean, they yeah. haven't like dro- driven their cost up. I mean, the yeah. packages are pretty good. I say that considering I've looked, and a bit itself is like 16 bucks if you consider all the rest that's coming in any one of these, you know, combinations. Yeah. It's, it's real reasonable. You know, there's a lot more to than just that bit to hold and, and, and yeah. configure. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, and I'll say that if you're going to get it, go the go the pro style, that other mm-hmm. one, a little portable, the, 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 the 520 pro, I don't know what their numbering yeah. convention is, but that pistol grip, I mean, that's how you're going to tighten it, but it's really free floating, which I get, but, if you've got some big, like I'm thinking like my shop uh, cabinet that I put together with those, mm-hmm. I, if I've got a, a, a two foot by three foot rectangle and I'm trying to put pocket holes in, I don't necessarily want to like balance it on this thing yeah. to have that. I mean, I could bring it to it and turn it in all, I guess, in all different orientations, but um, or that's, build your yeah. own little fence you know it was probably yeah i i'd bet money that that's an inch and a half so that you could put a two by four on either side to prop it up oh true. i'm sure it is Very yeah. true. i mean that's what i would do if i was building the thing mm-hmm. yeah i mean um my jig i got mounted to a, a piece of plywood that you yep. know, i don't know it's yes, two foot by two foot or something like that yeah just boom yeah mine's, mine's on the ball rectangular. it's like a foot wide and maybe two foot or yeah. foot long and a foot wide, or two foot wide, because it's yeah. got the, the setups on both sides as balancing blocks, yeah. you know. But there, that's the collet. Yeah. The, and what's convenient for me is, um, 
is, you know, if you ever run out of anything, you can just run up to Lowe's and they have all their stuff there. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yep. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so uh, check that out if uh, you're in the market for a pocket hole jig. Heck yeah. Yeah. Next up is a uh, new square I might have to buy also. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a Lost Art Press uh, and Crucible Tools uh, is coming out with the Crucible Bench Square. And it's a square based off a uh, a, a plate from uh, Rubo's oh, uh, yeah. Uh, thing I think it's actually from Plate Eleven, so I'm sure Mark, you've stared at this for. A, for a <laughs> yes, and and feel very stupid when uh, when somebody says, "Oh, hey, look, <laughs> there's an idea for a tool." <laughs> well, in the I think it was on Plate Eleven. It's shown like under the bench and detailed, maybe in another plate. If Rubo had it under his workbench, then it's worth at least investigating. I, I guarantee that's... you, he's been playing with this thing in his shop for a year, probably. Yeah. Probably. It looks it, handy, and it's it's. I mean, you twenty seven bucks is what they're guessing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's it, not the final price, but let's say it's going to be under thirty bucks. So yeah. Right. So it, it's a it's a carpenter square, except it has the obtuse forty five degree angle and an included ninety degree angle. That's mm-hmm. kind of like a. You can use it as a as a square squaring square to check. Yeah, this. you you can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you turn it up and you just guide it down the line. You know, down down an edge of a board that you've just trued and going, yeah, that square, yeah, okay. And, you know, okay. something I use, I have a little woodpecker's two mm-hmm. inch little square, you know, but this is a lot easier probably in the hand to use, yeah. and because it's you know it's consistent plywood, it's not going to move any mo- any number that matters. Yeah, you know. and the 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 fence for the others for the actual outside square that you would use to lay out with it's it looks like quarters on maple so it's not going to move that much either exactly mm. yeah yeah is then it is that one it's square on one side and 45 on the other yep yeah yep. so there yeah it's a perfect layout tool i mean you it's yeah it as a guy who teaches occasionally that's a great tool that you can hand to a student and say here you know <laughs> you, you forgot your square use this that's good enough you know for yeah. the kind of what doing and so. i like the i mean the relative macro uh size of it you know it's not it's not cute in what it's doing it's actually kind of beefy you know mm-hmm. it's it's bigger than your hand you know yeah. as as in you so you have no guessing of what you're doing with it because yeah. you lay that down, you know, when it's butted up, it's butted up. And when it's square, it's square, you know, that's yeah. pretty cool. So, yeah. And that's, yeah. A, that's again, an, an inexpensive mm-hmm. Lost Art Press Crucible tool purchase. Add one to your collection today. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's so, a pretty yeah, good to... chance these will find their way into uh, workbench crates. As, oh, yeah, there you as, go. As thank yous for people. Uh, I, I love these little tools like this, you know, yeah. because uh, it's a great little throw in at the end of the build. And um, just because usually people are are waiting a little longer than we thought, you know, and um, so it's nice to have something I can I can throw in as a bonus. Cool. Fantastic. So, well, good. Maybe on the other side of Crucible, you can get them to laser engrave plate 11. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just find somebody around here and I'll do it myself. <laughs> Maybe I can find a way to change their logo to be. <laughs> All righty. Well, fantastic. Well, last up, I wanted just to um, uh, talk a little bit about some, you know, 
we had a, a few chair makers on the last three episodes and um, I think we talked a lot about about chair classes and one of the things I wanted to highlight is online chair classes and I think we've highlighted both of these before but uh, Peter Galbert has his uh, foundation um, uh, videos out foundation and chair making and uh, it's a real great series I uh, I signed up for it. I think he's on episode four or five, maybe five now. And uh, it's absolutely excellent work. And then um, Elia Bazzari um, has a bunch of online classes ranging the gamut from bowls to um, chairs to uh, some bird-like uh, carvings you can do. <laughs> And uh, he has a bunch of online stuff. Uh, some of it uh, is set price. Some of it uh, is pay what you can, like uh, his his uh, videos with Curtis Buchanan on the Democratic chair. He has a new one coming out on um, the Velda chair. And I actually took a class with uh, Elia a few years ago. In fact, he talks about it in the blog write-up at Anderson Ranch. And uh, that was a fantastic course. So uh him and curtis are going to um do some stuff on that so you know head on over to his website uh is his hand tool woodworking.com and uh p galbert is uh, petergalbert.com so uh go over there and check out some of those online chair classes if uh, that uh interests you yeah and alia just announced uh, a class well i got it from dave but dave fisher is doing a bull yes. carving class online with alia so um I'll be sorely tempted to to subscribe to that one. Yes, I will too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I need to sell some jigs to pay for my class. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to what's in the shop. So, uh, Mark, what's in the shop? Well, other than that new all, um, I've got a couple of things going. I uh, started well. Yesterday, I got a, a shipment of three-inch maple in, so I've started gluing up, uh, started on the process for gluing up tops for the next bench benches that are coming through the shop. And uh, and then in addition to that, I'm doing the filming for um, the, the workbench class at home. So right now, I'm doing kind of like the, uh, the basic, basic videos on, you know, how to set up a chisel, how to set up a, a hand plane, and then... Mm -hmm. um, and those will I'll I'll make those available on my on my YouTube page for everybody, and oh, then great. I'll be moving on to um and so the I just I already shot the the setup videos and the the one for the low angle jack plane is pretty long but it kind of it kind of goes into um I at one point I had a student show up with a, a particularly historic brand of hand plane uh, and it's a, it's their newer version of a low angle jack plane and I helped them set it up and it was awful. Uh, the bed, the bed was, it's so hard to describe this because the bed and the sole are not supposed to be coplanar. It's supposed to be a, um, one plane that's rotated up off of another plane. Mm -hmm. and if you can imagine that rotated plane is also twisted to the left a little bit. Uh, so when you sharpen the blade straight across and you put it in the, uh, plane, you have to crank, you have to really skew the blade in order to get it to make a straight flat cut oh, really? because the bed is not machined properly. <clears throat> so I went through, um, the whole process of how you evaluate that. 
um, before you start investing a bunch of time and setting up the tool. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so basically, you know, this is how you check a new plane. You, you check this for square, you check this for flat. Um, and then I went through how to, uh, how I like to put a, a, a nice camber on a bevel up plane blade and why the camber for a bevel up blade is different than the camber for a mm-hmm. regular York pitch blade. Uh, so I got into all that. And uh, so that'll go up in two parts. The first one will be the inspection and the second one will be, you know, getting the, the iron ready. And those should be out either by the time we air this episode or the five questions episode. So, oh, okay. So, and then, then I'm moving on to uh, a, a workbench makers uh, sawhorse pair of sawhorses. That's what's up right now. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. I, I might, I, not that I, I, well, have much interest, but so when I got my number six old Stanley plane on mm-hmm. eBay 10, 12 years ago, um, yeah, I was like, okay, I, I, I sanded the bottom. I trued that as bad as I could. And I looked at, and, you know, I took it all apart and I did the frog. And it wasn't until I was actually using it that I noticed that there was a slight crack in the side of the plane. And I don't know if it's causing any problem. I don't use it, honestly, all that often, but, you know, it's one of those things to look for. Like, if you're buying secondhand uh, vintage, yeah, there might be a reason that you're mm-hmm. getting it for a reasonable price because it's not in the best of shape. Yeah, and and sometimes you can use that to your advantage. Like, I remember when I, years ago, when I was just getting into uh, draw knives, I was rummaging around through, I think it woodworking in America or some uh, one of the guys that brought out i forgot which one it was they had like three or four of them at that particular woodworking in america but i picked out this uh draw knife and it looked really good but it had a crack in the middle of the blade mm-hmm. and so i got it for next to nothing but it was perfect for me to learn how to like grind a draw knife which is kind of a uh, intimidating affair you know actually putting that on a bench grinder and grinding a bevel on it and uh yeah so you know sometimes those those type of tools um you know if you need if you're a beginner and you need some experience with you know doing some stuff sometimes it'll pay off you know as far as being a beater that you can learn on yeah and i i i tried to go down that road and and i live in kind of a hand tool desert um, and I yeah. also, I'm also was, you know, running a woodworking business and, and trying to learn hand tools at the same time. So it didn't take me very long to get fed up with try, first trying to find decent used mm-hmm. hand planes. And then second of all, going through all the work to clean them up and, you know, get them usable. So right. I just, I just, um, you know, a few months in, I was like, okay, no, I'm just going to buy new hand tools. <laughs> and so th- this video is, is more about a, a really quick inspection of a brand new hand plane to make sure there's nothing wonky. Okay. Uh, so okay. It, it's, you know, it's kind of under the, and I, I guess I don't, you know, it's, I, I pull the box out of the, the plane out of the box. I mean, it is a brand mm-hmm. new. Um, and uh, so I, I guess maybe I, I could have, spoken to that a little bit more but i think once you see the video you'll know but yeah i i am um, i my the only hand planes that i'll buy uh used and old is number fives ah. because those things are they're meant to be used really coarse mm-hmm. and that, that's how i set them up i put an eight inch radius camber on the blade uh and um i sharpen the blade like twice a year 
and I use <laughs> to hog off material. So it doesn't matter if the sole is flat. It doesn't matter if there's a crack. I'm not using it as a shooting plane, so it doesn't matter if the right. sides are, are right. square yeah. the sole. So yeah, it, it, I am I am perfectly happy using a beat up old um, number five. Although I did spend uh, too much money on a really nice 605, uh, mm-hmm. which has old the flat. Rock. The flat, yeah. yeah, the first of the bedrocks, the flat top on the sides, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna get that thing cleaned up and maybe get it engraved. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, cool. Send it up, send it up to uh, Jen Bauer and have her engrave it for me. But um, and I well, and I found I found a number three bedrock, or no, is it a number one or a number three? It's it's for my son, so it's it's like the matching set of bedrock uh, jack planes. So yeah. the, uh, the his cool. and little his. Uh, bench plane so well, i, gotta I will say i i haven't i haven't pulled that trigger quite yet but having dealt with the vintage planes that i have i i and i having used at shows uh the newer planes produced by lee valley and lee nielsen mm-hmm. the next one i get will be a new production for they're, sure they're worth the extra money i mean it, they it, are in savings yeah. on frustration yes yeah. absolutely well i'll i'll amend my comments and say Say, uh, yeah, get those beaters for like chisels, learning how to sharpen <laughs> and draw knives. Yes. Because come to think of it, all my plane, planes are either uh, Lee Valley or Lee Nelson. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. There's nothing wrong with old planes. It's just yeah. you have to you have to enjoy fixing up old planes. If that's yeah. If you enjoy that, I mean, there are guys who get into this, or well, women too, that mm-hmm. they like working on old machinery and bringing it up to new right. and, and getting it working and running. And I just, I don't have the patience for that. I, I want to get to the woodworking, not to the tool fixing. And sure. so, uh, so it doesn't interest me. And yep. and it's okay that other people want to do that stuff. There's plenty of old tools out there to fix up. So, um, yeah, I couldn't fault anybody for wanting to do that. I just, it's not, it's not where my passion. Lots. Right. So. Right. No, I mean, it, it, it was evident when I got even even uh, I have a Lee Nielsen spoke shape and just the way that came and was ready. I was like, oh, this is what modern making is, is, is for. Like you can you can tell there's a good sense of quality there. There's a good oh, sense yeah. of, of workmanship and it's going to work better than that vintage thing that you get. No matter the source, I think, I mean, it's going to take a lot of attention. And at the time I was, I was in that place of like learning. And so I was okay with it. I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to tear this down. I'm going to check all the joints. I'm going to clean up what I can and, and do what I can. Um, But knowing that it, all of that effort didn't even come close to what I could purchase today, new you know, it was like, eh, okay. I mean, I, I get it. I respect it completely. It's not for everybody. And there are those people that love working on old stuff, but I mean, just the knowledge in your, in your videos, I mean, the, the instruction you're going to give of, of the basics of setting up and checking it's, that's awesome. Cause I mean, everybody needs to know that you yeah, need to, yeah. you need to mm-hmm. just understand how it works, what it does. If you're getting this for the first time, because I mean, I've been down the path and it's, it's, there's there's much to learn it's not all just intuitive by looking at it yeah i mean i i pulled my first brand new plane out of the box and tried to plane with it and it was a disaster <laughs> and i, I mean I, I didn't know they, they they look i mean like they'll cut your hand when you pull the <laughs> plane out of the plane but that's not the same as getting a nice cut out of a piece of wood and right. um and so yeah i mean you there's there's still work to do when you get a brand new hand plane and you know it, it seems like, oh man, that's such a pain in the butt. 
to have to set it up to use it. But when you think about it, like if you use it for an hour, it's already needing to be sharpened 20 minutes ago or 30 minutes ago uh, again. So, um, you know, having to sharpen it for that very first time, it, it's, it's, you, I guess you just kind of sharpening turns into something that's just part of owning a tool. And once you accept that and get used to it, it doesn't seem like such a big hassle to set up a tool for the first time. But mm-hmm. um, learning the ruler trick uh, mm-hmm. has, has made that whole process even easier for me because I don't have to worry about polishing the backs of my, my plane irons anymore. Right. Uh, and I will ruler trick the hell out of anything that goes into a plane body. Uh, <laughs> if, it, if it gets held in a jig yeah. and isn't used freehand, I will ruler trick it. So um yeah it's just so much easier awesome send your comments to uh, yes i won't respond but feel free to, to <laughs> well i think i think part of the problem with the, the vintage stuff is that you're kind of told yeah go out and get some vintage stuff and fix it up and it'll be great but you don't know what great is Right. Yeah, that, that's very exactly. true. That's very yeah. true. And that was something that was very evident when when the woodworking shows were going on. You know, you know, actually just had a reminding conversation of with my wife this this evening. You know, oh, that first time you went down to the 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 woodworking show is you know is when I, I actually stayed with the Ami in a hotel room, having never met him. <laughs> no, and she's like, "Oh, great! So this guy with this weird name from New York, and you're just—I'm—I'm I'm convinced you're not coming home." But, but that's a side story. But going there, and that was the first time that—I mean, there's no there at that time there was no Woodcraft by me. There was definitely no Lee Valley, and definitely not Lee Nielsen, you know. But I got to go through a, a shop space or a, a marketplace that. I was able to actually plane with planes that they were there adjusting to make work properly. Mm-hmm. That was more eye-opening because I had already had my planes. I was like, oh, that, the weight, the the sharpness of the blade, everything working in conjunction. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is much more productive, enjoyable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's you, – you learn a lot from that, absolutely. Yeah. And, so and you spent a lot of time with those uh, $2,000 uh, infill planes, huh? <laughs> yeah, I I did a little bit. Um, you know, I I basically dropped my jaw when I talked to Ron Breeze because his stuff is just like breathtakingly beautiful. I mean, if you don't know, look up Ron Breeze somewhere on YouTube. There's there's him tying a string around the tote of a, of his, one of his planes and just pulling it, and it's drawing a shaving as the plane is moving under only the plane's weight. There astoundingly beautiful they're astronomically uh wallet breaking <laughs> you know <laughs> it's just but yes absolutely yes uh you know i the all you get to use all those things that you could never afford like sour and steiner and and breeze and and beautiful yeah dead tools absolutely you know, beautiful workmanship perfectly working tools but it informs you on what that means so that if you do, if you go home and you've only got vintage, you know, you've got a hill to climb to get there. It is it for sure. It's there. The, the less than an eighth inch blade that's on an 1800s, early 1900s Stanley blade mm-hmm. does not stand up to what yeah, a quarter you gotta inch blade that with today. Yeah. Blade at least, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, get a, get a hawk blade. I mean, and I haven't done that, but that's, that yeah. is what will help. Yeah. enormously because we know more about what we're doing now imagine 
a hundred years ago what those you know workmen you know you know were doing were well, working the, with the a hundred years ago the labor was exceptionally cheap and True. it was it was the tools and the materials that cost a fortune mm-hmm. and, and now you know when you think about the kind of people that are that are doing hand tool woodworking you know they're professionals they're computer programmers and doctors and lawyers and um they you know a hundred dollars for a plane iron is just not a big deal uh right. but you know they're gonna go you know they're gonna go and spend an hour which to them it may be you know half the cost of that or you know, three times the cost of that plane blade um you know why not just get the right blade and put it in there um and uh or or buy a newer tool that that works nearly you know it's almost ready to go out of the box mm-hmm. so. well what a tangent how about that that's right <laughs> so, so sean what, what's in your shop nothing is in my shop but i'll tell you what was out of my shop what was out of your shop diami wow so it's not it's no it's no fluke that i've mentioned them a few times already I got yeah. to see the man today. I got to shake that man's hand. The the Long Island, New York uh, transfer came. He texted me a couple weeks ago and mm-hmm. said, I'm coming through, and it looks like we're stopping somewhere near Toledo, Ohio. I went, really? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let me know where and when, buddy. You got me. And I'm figuring, okay, you're going to travel the turnpike. The turnpike's you know, 15 miles south of me. Fine. You know, like, I'll, yeah. I'll find you if you're stopping. Come to find out, he's staying in a hotel here. It wasn't just a gas stop. It was uh, like they're stopping mm-hmm. for the night here. And so I went down. It's just a lower suburb you know, of where I am. And, um, and uh, I, I finally got my book back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you remember, I had to look it up. Uh, episode 239, we interviewed Josh Klein. What episode yes. are we recording? 336? It's yeah. been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> yes. But I, we interviewed him about this, this book called Hands Employed to Write. It's about this, this New England home uh, historic woodworker and a lot of his stuff preserved. I, I vaguely remember it. I, I've never got to read the book because I sent it to Diami because Josh Klein was going to be at Fine Woodworking Live 2019, I think. Diami's had this book for two years, give or take. <laughs> and I mailed it to him, but he didn't mail it back. But he hand-delivered it today. So I have a author-signed woodworking book that I'm now going to look forward to reading because I haven't had a chance before. But more importantly, I got to see Diami, and we had a nice conversation in the hotel lobby with masks on, a, a, a partial table apart just standing there talking about everything from uh midwest weather and other things uh i i I had to mention i said okay congratulations you're in northwest ohio nothing's unique here except tony pacos oh Uh, i love me some tony pacos there you go so you know about tony pacos we we order their pickles at least once a year there you go so uh tony pacos was world announced through mash long ago Jamie Farr is from my area, and he was an actor on MASH. He was, I don't remember the character, the goofy one, the one that would dress up in, in women's outfits. Clinger. Oh, Clinger. that guy. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah, that uh, guy. He's a goof. Yeah. He's a total goof, but he's a Toledo boy, and so he, he grew up around here. And he, uh, on the show, even promoted Tony Pacos. Tony Pacos is a Hungarian family. Uh, and they do, you know, paprikash and, and these big dogs and, and uh, open-faced roast beef sandwiches and also. Anyway, 
it's it's a weird thing because I grew up next to it. I've known about it all my life, but I know people that travel hours to get it. And furthermore, it's available at my Kroger. You know, I can get the pickles, the chili sauce, and the dogs yeah. all by a trip to the grocery store. Anyway, I said, well, other than that, there's not much going on here. Um, also, welcome to where our weather will twist on you on a dime. It, seven days ago, we had 14 inches of fresh fallen snow, and the city was just reeling. You know, more snow than we got in the blizzard of 78, which was a huge event here. Uh, they... You know, schools shut down for the day, blah, 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 blah. But basically, the all surrounding counties were shut down. Today, it was it was 50 degrees. Welcome to town. You're seeing a bunch of melting snow. Guess what? When you wake up tomorrow morning, it's going to be 19. <laughs> like, good luck. This, this is what we live with. It's a roller coaster of weather. Yeah. But anyway, it was it was really cool to see him. Um, he's on a trip, if anyone cares, um, with his with his Boy Scout troop that he's obviously very involved with. That's why he kind of he. He hasn't been able to be on the show a lot because meetings and stuff. Um, but they're going uh, dog sledding in Wisconsin. Hmm. And from, that would be fun. From New York to Wisconsin, so. you know, that's half the country, you know, and north to go. Yeah. And um, but it sounds like really cool. It's one of it's one of the Boy Scouts of America high adventure things. Oh. So yeah, it's that it, makes sense. A small group. I think it's less than five boys all in their teen, mid-teens, um, and two leaders, Diami's one of them, are going up and doing that. And then on their way back, they're going across the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and down. So they're getting to see a lot of stuff, as Diami was describing. He's like, he's, I've rarely been west of Cincinnati, Ohio, and I've definitely never been north of Toledo. <laughs> you know, So yeah. like, oh, that'll be interesting to go across the UP, across the Mackinac Bridge, all this other stuff, like cool stuff up by the Great Lakes. That, you know, that'll be a an eye-opening experience for him, but it was, it was really cool to see him. That was, you know, so again, I'm sorry, no, no woodworking related stuff, but <laughs> pod coast, pod coast host related stuff. I got to see Diami. My God, I, I've seen Kyle more recently than I've seen Diami. <laughs> uh, you know? Yeah. We, we saw it's, like, it's gotta be almost exactly a year ago. Uh, it was in January. So yeah, it was oh, a, little, yeah. a little over yeah. a year ago. A little um, over a year ago. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh damn COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we can talk about Brian. Yeah. Hold on, Brian. When's the last time I saw you? Oh jeez. Let's think. <sighs> I mean, did you go down to Salem? Or not Salem, but No nope. uh, that year. I missed that. Nope. Year. In Salem? Yeah, so before that one, so it would have been Cincinnati, you Was, know. Yeah. Uh, the last one in Covington, maybe? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the one that I had to leave in the morning because I had a wedding the next day. So I like said, hey, we're doing shots at midnight, and I gotta drive at three. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we all need to get together soon. Yes, yes, we do. There we go. All right, Kyle, what's going on down in South Texas? Well, you might have heard something about an Arctic blast that hit Texas. <laughs> I don't know if that made the national news or anything. You think? <laughs> Patreon is is uh, helping me set up a fundraiser for Texas if I want one. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they will. And yeah, uh, yeah I, will, I will. Anyone that wants to de- donate to help the Texas residents, because yeah, there we there's a lot of people hurting. Um, that's that's um, you know I appreciate do, y'all doing that. Um, I would just suggest that you make sure you donate. To to somebody that's been in the business. There's a lot of people that are trying to do this out of the goodness of their hearts, but a lot of these people are getting a lot of money and going, okay, now how do I distribute this money? 
-hmm. they have no experience in doing that. So, um, you know, if you are going to donate, please look into the organization and make sure that, you know, they can not only uh, take your money, but also distribute it to those in need. But uh, I guess that goes without saying for any of these type of events. But yeah, but I survived fine, luckily. It actually paid living on the coast. But all my friends, I spent a lot of time with friends and family helping them with uh, their issues, whether it be uh, lack of power. I never lost power. I was lucky. Um, um, And part of that reason is because at the top of my street, there is our... Uh, water treatment plant. It's a small little plant, serves like, I don't know, thousand homes maybe. So it's a small little plant, but because it was sitting up there, um, uh, I, I think that's one of the reasons I never lost power. But, uh, and I, uh, I think they did shut off water for about 12 hours, but mm. that was about it. And uh, part of the reason is they were actually semi-prepared. They did lose, I think they have like three pumps I think they lost uh, one of them because of the cold temperatures. So we had some low water pressure, but um, they were actually, we have a well, so they were actually able to switch over to well water when they couldn't get it from uh, oh. the, the other municipal supplies. So that's you one of the reasons. A community well? Yeah, community well. Oh, wow. That's cool. So that's cool. Now, um, now we still had a lot of busted pipes around here because most houses are like mine where, you know, after the water main, the water travels up straight up uh, next to one of my pilings about 14 feet in the air and then goes mm-hmm. into my house. So mm-hmm. even though that's insulated, hey, when it was like, you know, 22 degrees, the water will still freeze. But um, I was, you know, what I did um, is go out there and I just shut the water off because I can shut it off, not at the um, not, not at the meter, but I have another shut off uh, right where the um, pipe comes out of the ground. So I just shut it off there, drained all my lines every night and didn't turn the water on until it got over. 32 for you know a few hours couldn't so, you just like left your one of your faucets dripping or something everybody that i know that like what a friend of mine we had the same conversation a friend of mine uh was oh i'm just gonna open my cabinet doors and leave my water faucets dripping and then he calls me the next day i got a busted, busted pipes, pipes. <laughs> Dang. guess yeah. what i don't i i was without water last night but I don't have a busted pipe. <laughs> yeah, I, we didn't have any busted pipes at our house, but my my great uncle, the, the yeah. Norman of Norman's Furniture, called me at eight o'clock at night. And he's like, I need some help. <laughs> so I was running around trying to get supplies before Lowe's closed by closed by the end of the night. And yeah. And I don't, I don't know anything about his water system. I'm just looking at these pipes kind of appearing yeah. and disappearing in the walls and the garage. And I said, well, I think it comes from over here. And I just cut the pipe and put a cap on it. And I said, wait as long as you can to turn the pressure back on. And uh, I never heard anything again until, you know, I just stopped by there a day or two later. Yeah. And he said, it held. It's it's doing just fine. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it's, and, and, you know, um, and it's been that way uh, across here. And you can't even get, well, I don't know about now, but uh, there for a couple of days, you couldn't get any plumbing supplies. And I'm sure they're still pretty oh, yeah. scarce on the ground right now because everybody flooded. Yeah. Um, they didn't do it. So I was lucky in that respect. But, you know, um, you know, friends of mine and stuff. And uh, my mom was without power for a while. So I got her and brought her back, you know, all those kind of things. So, yeah, kept- I, I heard from an a, a old co-worker of a, and one of the girls that I was with when yeah. I was down visiting you last January. Mm-hmm. Um, 
she's at her ranch. I forget how many hours out of Houston she is, but she posted they lost power for nine straight days. Yep. And so you hear all these stories of people like boiling snow in propane mm-hmm. grills just to get water. Like that's crazy. So yeah, you know, I mean. Yeah, none if, of if, none of the plants you, were prepared. And this this is what's so strange is when I you know I grew up here. Well, I grew up in the Dallas area. But, I mean, we had cold weather. I remember one time we had a massive freeze. It was, like, uh, below zero for several days, and I think below freezing for, like, over two weeks. And we never lost power or water or any of that kind of uh-huh. stuff. I don't I don't know. But, you know, uh, hey. A lot of question about how Texas is doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, they had some uh, semi-private organization that was managing all the power. All of those people have resigned. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, they resigned. There you go. They were tarred and feathered but yeah it's it's a mess but yeah you know. and i said like and i was explaining to my kids it's easy to 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 kind of make fun of the south when they can't deal with with 40 degree 30 degree temperature and two inches of snow we get it you know we're from an area that gets a hell of a lot more than that and gets colder than that but our building codes have been modified over the decades to yep make that work for us. My pipes are interior. My insulation is such my, you know, when I dug a new well line, it had to be three and a half feet underground because and of your, your municipalities own snow plows and salt trucks. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. And things so like that. We're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. shucks. You know what? My, my, my recycling containers got blown over because the plow went down the road. Okay. I'm okay with that because I could get to work in the, in the morning, you know, or to the store if I need to, that, that kind of stuff. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're prepared for this. I understand Texas doesn't have the salt and plow system that Mm. Ohio does. Yeah. We got some, yeah. I mean, they have some stuff. It's sand. It's not salt or Mm -hmm. aggregates, they say. Mm -hmm. And, and one of the things that always happens in, in, in Texas is because these things just blow in and it's usually warm before they do, is yeah. we never do get just snow. Usually it's sleet, ice. and that's what this was. It was yeah. sleet and ice and then a dusting of snow on top of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, that's crazy. Yeah. And yeah. it was the same storm. The, the stuff that caused the, the chaos down there came up and dumped 14 inches of snow on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just – it was just, that's a system. You know, Canada came down – licked texas came back up to ohio (laughs) you know and that's what it left behind weird you know and then by the time it gets to new england god knows what it's gonna do yeah but i mean it has been colder here without all these hardships in fact um yeah that's interesting in 1983 they were they were posted on our message board in our neighborhood that uh the canals here actually froze no kidding yeah they didn't freeze this time but yeah they froze over in 83 and for those that don't know, I've actually yeah. viewed that canal specifically. Yeah. That is a direct feed into the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> that froze? Yep. That's and insane. Those, yeah, and those canals are about 50 feet across. So, yeah. Yeah, they're not yeah. small. Yeah, so. Wow. Yeah, so anyway. So so it has gotten colder here without all the drama, but we got but the you're drama. On your, you're on your way back. Right we're now, we're, yes, exactly. We're coming and back. I, I heard it's like consecutive days in the 70s. This is obviously melting what's there. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think good. I told you all before the show, I actually flipped my uh, my um, HVAC unit out from heat over to AC today. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. It's a tough life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, back me up, Mark and Brian. I mean, do you guys have like more than 
the three months of of that and maybe some in between time where you can open the windows and let it go that you don't you're not you're not air conditioning in march you know no we we get some crazy swings uh, we might have like a random two or three day burst where it's that hot but you just open the windows but my my truck air conditioner kicked in today when it was parked out in the sun and i got in it um, oh really yeah uh, i mean but i mean it was it was 60 it was 60 degrees here so full you know yeah. blue skies so a car parked in the sun in 60 degree weather would get up to 90 pretty quick so um but it didn't take i mean you just roll the windows down the air conditioner would shut itself off so um yeah it was it was a it's been a nice couple of days the snow here is just about gone so yeah but we we weren't prepared i mean we're not set up for it either we school was closed for nearly the entire week um just because the, the main roads were clear, but all the little side streets, you know, people just couldn't reliably get get the buses down the roads and out to the schools. And so they just said, oh, we'll just stay home. Wow. Just call it quits. Yep. And Wednesday have- Wednesday was a remote day anyway. So everybody just did remote on Wednesday and then had the rest of the week off. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. My kids had a day, you know, but, and that's and it's fine. I mean, we're, again, we're more equipped to to deal with it. Um, most interestingly, though, today, because it got to 50 unexpectedly, seven days after this huge snow dump, uh, which is definitely way above normal for us. But I got to go check on my bees, and I'm glad to report that I still have a bee colony that's living through this harsh winter that we've had. So, Good. hey, we didn't see freezing for 45 days, give or take. You know, we were below 30 all that time. And yeah, uh, wow. I, I saw activity today, so my bees are doing good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. well, I found a dead bat in my uh, backyard. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dang. I think it was, must have been roosting on one of the palm trees because it was still clutching a palm leaf. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and they had, uh, I don't know about Austin. Austin is famous for having bats under the, under mm-hmm. the Congress Street Bridge. Uh, Houston has kind of the same thing. We don't have as big a colony, but apparently all of those bats died too, so. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Man. So, yeah, sad times, but in the bat colony world. But <laughs> anyway. Um, Get ready for lots of mosquitoes. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, no, it won't kill the mosquitoes. No, they're no, the far. bats won't be there to eat them. That's what they eat them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Nothing kills uh, Texas mosquitoes. <laughs> I'm su- I'm surprised I didn't get bit today when I went out and walked the dog. Um, That's probably why the bat died. It got bit by a mosquito. <laughs> probably. But uh, let's see what else is going on. Um, oh, I just want to have a brief rant on quality control <laughs> with hardware. Sure. Um, you might have. Uh, listeners of the show might have noticed I've been posting a little bit about the uh, new arm bow jig I have, but I haven't been posting about my other jigs. And primarily that's because I've had some real quality control issues with some of the hardware I was buying, uh, specifically threaded rod. Um, I was buying some nice stuff um, that was corrosion resistance and it was a yellow zinc coating and uh, it looked kind of like bronze or maybe brass um the threaded rod did it was absolutely nice looking stuff and um a few months ago all of a sudden that stuff was like very uh poorly plated uh looked awful so i switched over to your traditional white zinc uh, rod and that was okay for a while and now that's gotten really bad 
So, and I've been through a number of sources trying to get this and it returned a bunch of threaded rod over the last uh, few weeks. So until I can get those, and I've also had some problems with rod end bearings as far as those being in spec. Um, so with those two issues, I've kind of just said until I can, you know, find some reliable sources or until those quality control issues get fixed, um, it's going to be kind of hard for me to ship stuff out right now. Hopefully that'll prove over the next few weeks and I'm going to continue looking for stuff. But uh, yeah, I think um, most of this is probably related to COVID. I don't know if, you know, I'm sure some of this stuff's coming from China. Some of it just be made from, you know, factories being shorthanded and stuff of this nature within the U.S. So, but until those uh, issues improve, it's kind of putting a dent in my uh, in my uh, operations here. So yeah, I mean, any any signs of why the quality has gone down? I mean, I'm getting this is stuff you've been working on longer than this. yeah like, yeah. I, like I, why I now? To, I have to uh, chalk it up to COVID and you know them not having either the staff or quality control, or if the stuff's coming from offshore, them just you know running it through because of, you know, maybe increased demand for something. I, I don't know. Um, you know, rod end bearings, for instance, um, there's this one company I was ordering them from. I don't know how many rod end bearings I've got a bunch and I've sent back two. And the last two orders I had, I was had a 50% failure rate. So, you know, it was like half the stuff I got was w wouldn't work. And, um, so I was just like, you know, they, they were great about taking it back and stuff, nothing against the company, but I'm sure they were just importers. Um, but yeah, and, you know, and I can, you know, I've kind of found another source for the rod end bearings. Um, but, you know, as far as the threaded rod, I really got to get, you know, because a lot of my jigs are based on that threaded rod. Um, it's kind of, you know, mm -hmm. the heart of the jig, so to speak. Yeah. Um, outside of the rod end bearings. But um, yeah, so until I can get those issues resolved, I'm just going to have to, you know, take a little little breather right now from those, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of it. I mean, when you're when you're producing tools supplied by other materials, you got to make sure your quality control yep. is up to snuff. And yeah, um, I'll continue. I'll, I'll continue looking at if uh, any listeners have uh, any uh, sources for threaded rod, please. Feel free to reach yeah, out to me sure. on Instagram, DM me. But I've always, always, I've been through the normal sources: Granger, Fastnell, local suppliers, um, at MasterCar, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not good right now. So <laughs> that's too bad. I mean, yeah. I, I wish for the swift uh, return of quality. Obviously, that, yeah, that and I think it'll be, come back. Yeah, should be the top of mind of production. Yeah. And hopefully I've quality. finally vented about this. So when I uh, place my next order, I'll go and inspect the stuff and it'll be up to snuff. But so hopefully this pays off. <laughs> now, now that you've complained, it'll no longer be a problem. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that seems to be the way it works. Um, and speaking of uh, the way it works, so I've also been steam bending and doing some steam bending experiments with uh, kiln dried wood. I think I talked a little bit about this on our last uh, episode with mm -hmm. uh, David on one of my uh, failures. And I was going to, you know, swiftly get out there and, and uh, try steam bending uh, this kiln dried wood that it soaked with a uh, strap. Well, because of the weather and all the other issues we had to deal with, um, I didn't get around to it till this week. So I finally did it. And um, 
it was a failure, but um, it was a qualified failure. I'll put it that way. Uh, actually soaking the wood, I think, did help, and it did actually bend completely around the form, uh, which was interesting. Um, but I think, you know, I'm sitting there trying to bend this bow for a uh, uh, bloomback chair, and it's, what, five feet long? And me trying to do that by myself, um, I think was also part of the issue. So I think I really need to make one of those winch, uh, driven, um, steam bending rigs. So, um, that's what I'm looking at doing right now. So you could also try the, and I hate to recommend this. I don't like the trash involved, but the, the heat shrink tubing. I, I did. Uh, I did. It okay. was, I, 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 yeah, I soaked it. I had a back strap on it and I used, uh, the heat shrink, uh, tubing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There you go. It's not for lack of trying. Yeah, it's not for lack of trying. And it's not I, and it's not grain run out, right? It's no, just, it's not it's grain run out. Grain. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was just compression failure. Um, but you know, I think if I had one of those rigs that that uh, you know would bend it smoothly from both directions, because I was having to bend you know one side and then the other side, and you know with something that long, I think you know I want to say part of the issue was. Um, was probably me just trying to manhandle a you know five foot long piece of wood around this form because I could only bend one side at a time. So I don't know, but I mean, uh, that, you know, that's one of the biggest things. The experiments with, continue. With, <laughs> yeah, I mean, steam bending to me is is like I I I don't know enough and I don't trust myself enough. I I'm sure I would be a frantic mess. Yeah. Getting it out and going, oh my god, I gotta, oh, I gotta get it clamped. I gotta get it tight before it does. Oh crap, it snapped. You know, yeah. like, like it, it can't yeah, be that the, way. It's yeah. kind, of, it's kind of like your 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 worst glue up experience experience sure. sometimes. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But uh, but no, this this was pretty relaxed. I think the shrink wrap uh, actually helps. Uh, you don't have to rush quite as much when you put it in there because it kind of keeps the moisture and heat in. But um, you know, well, we'll see how it goes. I'm going to build one of those rigs and, and, uh, we'll see how that does. If that doesn't work, then I'm just going to have to pay to have, uh, some green wood shipped in or buy some bows already bent. I don't know what would be the most yeah. economical. I mean, there's a lot of examples of people you know, using kiln dried to bend. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm sure oh, yeah. there's, you can make it work. Yeah. Cause I, I'm not I know, I know green's, <laughs> green's going to be hard to come by or, or expensive or both. Yeah, yeah, I just can't get it here. I have to have it shipped in. So yeah, and you know, you're talking about shipping a you know a 60 inch long piece of wood, which you know adds to the shipping costs. For sure, five so. foot box is hard to find. <laughs> yeah, well, you'd have to put it in one of those mailing tubes, but it's got to yeah. be wrapped and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's yeah, you know, you're probably talking, I don't know, 30 bucks. 30 bucks, yeah, probably yeah. shipping. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be nice if I can do it with kiln dried. Like I said, uh, I'm I'm the the good old college try isn't over yet. It's still ongoing. What mm. species are you using right now? Uh, red oak. Red oak. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe try hickory. Yeah, not the most forgiving, you know, as far as that's concerned. Well, I don't know if I can. You know, I I got a bunch of red oak. <laughs> <laughs> i don't have any hickory yeah no i mean if, hey you want you want a challenge i got some eight quarter yeah. oak over here i mean i'll send yeah. it to you if you want to try yeah, to I, I do it. have a little white oak but i don't have any that's long enough right yeah 
So, but you know, well, we'll we'll keep trying. Before I'll keep long, you you'll run out of red oak, and then you'll have to go buy something. So, Try yeah, <laughs> I will. I will. Something I don't know. I might be able to get some green pecan, but I've heard horror stories about pecan. But I think oh. pecan and hickory are in the same family. I don't know. Yeah. Here you go. I got a, a two-foot section and eight-quarter ash. You want to try bending that? I don't know. <laughs> Make a crest rail out of it. Yeah, yeah. A- a- ash bends pretty well. So. I bet it does. I mean, it's pretty, yeah. pretty forgiving. So, uh, Brian, what's in your shop? Uh, not a whole hell of a lot. Well, my usual collection of ADD. Um, <laughs> I have my my sister's Christmas gift. Oh, that's nice. Her <laughs> last year. <laughs> I kind of started it knowing that it wasn't going to get done and it would probably become a Christmas gift or a birthday gift rather. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, she's uh, she loves um, mid-century modern furniture. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. And I saw those little, uh, what you call it, um, the Bluetooth speakers that Rockler has mm-hmm. and thought I'd make a little... A, like con- basically like a console stereo, you know the the old uh, console stereos that they used to have with the oh yeah cables built in. So I wanted to make something like that in miniature. Yeah, yeah, kind of like what That's Philip Morley did, right? It's going to be just exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in miniature, yeah, yeah. I think Diami may uh, use that kit for making something similar for his dad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. But I don't think he, I think he just did the basic kit. I don't think he uh, uh, upscaled it like it sounds like you're you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The new one has like two speakers on it. So. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. Stereo that's three inches apart, which doesn't really get you much, but. Yeah, no, but it, I mean, it does the trick. Yeah. I mean, uh, those really do sound good. I mean, those are pretty cool. You know, my kid uses one of the JBL things all the time. So, I mean, I, you know. Just yeah. enough to boost a little audio into the room. He takes it into the bathroom and has music for, to fill the bathroom during the shower. I mean, like, perfect. Like, what's a Bluetooth speaker supposed to do? Just kind of fill a small room. Exactly. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. And I've also been, I I have an obsession with levels. Mm-hmm. So I, last year, two years ago, maybe, I restored a, a big, heavy mahogany and brass level. And... No. Oh yeah, I think I remember talking to you about that. Probably. Probably, yeah. Uh, and now I found a uh, again mahogany, uh, little <laughs> torpedo level. Oh, cool. And I was like, ooh, I gotta, I need that. <laughs> <laughs> I want that. <laughs> Twenty bucks or something. So it's like, okay, yeah, we're gonna fix this guy up. Uh, so that's kind of half done. Um, and so, then, so are you like replacing like uh, I assume this like has brass hardware on it and stuff like that? Yep. Um, yeah. Pretty much just pulling off all the brass hardware, cleaning it up. For some reason, it had steel screws with against the brass. Mm. Okay. Makes a huge mess. Yes. Uh, so I may replace those with brass screws. Okay. Finding good brass screws is not easy. I think finding anything these days is not easy. Yes, when, I would agree. Yeah, for some reason they're not making a lot of like flathead brass screws in the midst of a pandemic, which I really don't understand. Yeah, I don't either. Interesting. Priorities. Well, what size brass screws do you need? Do you know? Teeny, teeny tiny. Oh, okay, okay. Because I said I, I might have. I know I have some flathead brass screws, but they're like number 
They're either eights or six, so too big. You have to go yeah. look in the uh, boat boat supply catalogs. Oh, that's mm-hmm. actually, yeah, that's, yeah. If you got that like seems a to be West the best Marine place for brass, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's that much uh, boating there in Rhode Island. No, no, no. We don't know anything about boats here. Oh, oh no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard yeah. of them. And then, the, and of course, in the midst of all that, I uh, decided I should polish all my tools. Polish? Really? Yeah, they were just kind of. I used to live near the like down the street from the water, from like salt water. Mm-hmm. And they oh, would yeah. kind of, yeah, a little bit of rusty and a little bit of gunky. Yeah. So I started, and I do this kind of like rabbit hole thing where it's like, uh, I'm just gonna put this in some evapo rust and and then like. Rub, rub it down with some oil and it'll be good. And then I find myself taking the whole thing apart and pulling out all the little sprues and polishing everything. And so that's the kind of little level of madness I'm at at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, so I was going to ask you how woodworking's been during COVID. So it sounds like uh, you've been polishing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kind yeah. of just getting back to woodworking. Really? Uh, yeah. I Well, I bought a house about a year year and two months ago yeah because i think last time you were on the podcast you were talking about looking for a house or maybe that was just a private conversation we had but i want to say something like that yeah i know you were looking yep uh last not last christmas but the christmas before i guess christmas 2019 before everything hit the fan um i bought a house and it's been kind of a lot of diy stuff going on making it my own Mm-hmm. Um, all that usual stuff. So my shop has been like more of a utility shop than a woodworking shop. Um, but now I'm trying to get back into the, you know, having woodworking projects to work on in addition to all the other DIY stuff. Yeah. You always have to have going on. Yeah. Well, well, uh, well, tell us a little bit about your shop. So, uh, what type of shop have you, have you moved into or is this, uh, uh, ongoing, uh, I don't know. Just tell us about what, what kind of shop you got working out. You're working out of and, now. And I'll interject right there. I've been living in this house for hold on, hold on. How old is my youngest son? Uh, nearing 14 years, and I'm still in that boat of yeah. There's there's projects, and then there's DIY projects, and there's home improvement projects. Like I get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Never I get it. But <laughs> yeah, but, but but go on with Kyle's question. So. <laughs> So I, I had a, a problem describing this house to people because I have three garages. Whoa, really? Not a three-car garage, but three separate one-car garages. <laughs> uh, How many are attached to the house? They were all attached to the house. How so, the hell does that work? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a classic New England cape with a, a little breezeway between the the main house and the garage. Okay. And that's kind of how it started out. And as usual, they closed off the, the breezeway and made it into a room. And then behind the breezeway, for some reason, they built a garage. And then next to that, they built another garage. <laughs> so, yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, it, was, it was actually kind of one of the reasons I wanted the house, because it had these, I mean, I'm a woodworker. It had garages. <laughs> 
Yeah, I would have snapped up on that. I mean, too bad you're a hand tool woodworker because you got a machine room, <laughs> a, a hand tool yeah. room, a, didn't do <laughs> a finishing room. <laughs> yeah, you're all built in. I mean, what's the issue? You got all the things you need. Yeah. <laughs> so for a long time, I was planning to turn one of them into a shop, and I was just working out of the the one that's like a regular garage that's in the front and you could actually pull a car into. Um, that was kind of my temporary shop. Mm -hmm. But I kind of pulled the trigger on making that a real shop. So now is the decision's been made. That's going to be a shop. So it's time to build the uh, the penultimate workshop. Hey, so. there you go. <laughs> so what are you going to do with the other two garages? Uh, one's going to be a dining room. Okay. The breezeway is the dining room, but, but it's kind of, Narrow. I will play Diami and say why, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> the other one, I don't know. For the moment, it's housing a boat. So. Oh, really? Really? How yeah. New England of you? Exactly. <laughs> well, I was able to pick up a a sunfish on the cheap. So. Ah. Oh, those are fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 cool. So so you also have have a new member of the family, I see. I do. Instagram post. Who is currently just ass out in the living room, which isn't truly what my friends do, but not uh, not family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Charlie, my uh, my shop adjacent dog. Yeah, I saw that post. That, that's great. That reminds me of my my dog is shop adjacent too. Yeah, he uh, hasn't quite cutting into the into the shop yet. The shop is kind of we've still got the concrete floors and all that, so he's. Not so sure about it, but uh, the plan is to put in wood floors and insulate the whole thing. Put up probably uh, T111 as the yeah. So probably chill in there. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So so what are you gonna do about lighting? Uh, the moment I have two or three of the uh, 10,000 lumen. Uh, overhead lights. Oh, okay. okay. LED type things. Yeah. Yeah. Don't look into those. It's like looking into the sun. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> sure. <laughs> and probably like those are. I'm, I'm like a huge nerd as far as like color temperatures go. Mm-hmm. And those are the 4000K ones from Rockler. Yeah. And I kind of fell in love with 4000K because it's like between that warm white kind of homey feel. Right. And the daylight, which is just like alien autopsy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my bathroom is five thousand Kelvin, so that that'll wake you up up in the morning, but also shows all the blemishes on your face. Oh yes, it's everything. Yeah, and with my well, woodworking, you don't need to see the blemishes. Yeah, I like the mm. four thousand. Yeah. <laughs> sure, there's more blemishes. <laughs> Well, how's that working for you? The four, you like the four thousand then, uh, the and the uh, the color rendition is pretty good for that. Yeah, they're pretty good. Uh huh. Interesting. I always need more. I mean, light's one of those things sure. where you can never have enough light in your shop. Yeah, I remember when I built my shop and I put in, you know, I just got T eight, but I went with the five thousand K lights and all that kind of stuff, and boy, it. I want to say my my uh, shop used to be a lot brighter. 
than it is now. And somehow I don't think it's the lighting. I think it's my eyes. (laughs) 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 I think my eyes used to be a lot clearer than they are now. But uh, anyway, it's like I I I had a student in the shop once, and he's like, "Man, it's kind of dark in here." And um, you know, he he was older than I was, and Mm -hmm. and I was like, "Well, it doesn't seem that dark." And then I looked up, and I realized like half or more of the fluorescent bulbs I had were burned out. (laughs) 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 And I was like, you know, it could be brighter. And uh, turns out he's an electrical engineer. Oh, nice. We took, we took half. I had a box of led, like four foot T eights or T fives or whatever they are. And um, we took half a day and we tried to rewire and found out these were the older ones that you, they take a lot of work to rewire, but yeah, uh, I or I we got the I got those in the following week and he came back in and he's a local guy and he's like man it's so much better in here and he said if you ever want to replace those other bulbs I'll help you do it and uh, nowadays you can get you can get bulbs where all you do is cut the ballast out yep and hardwire right past it and you can just plug the bulbs in and um, those first set of bulbs I had were the 4000K and I really liked them and I ordered some more and they sent me the wrong ones. And I just didn't have the patience to send them back and, you know, mess around with it. So I've got a few yellowish, you know, nice colored uh, bulbs in the shop and then a whole bunch of 5,600K uh, <laughs> bulbs. But, um, th- you know, man, it makes a huge difference. It's really nice having good light. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about sure. doing the same thing. Like I said, I, I thought it was my lights and I replaced all my T8s thinking they were old and they were, um, but it didn't improve it that much. So I'm thinking about adding some supplemental lighting. And I noticed, uh, I don't know if y'all been following Matt Cremona. He's doing his new shop in his new place. And, um, he had these interesting little led fixtures that kind of, uh, fit on clips that he was using. And I was like looking at those going, I might, I might order some of those. So I don't know. We'll see. You know, I just, I just saw a video, uh, Frank Howarth, uh, was doing a project in its basement or whatever. And, and I've looked at it cause I need to add some mm-hmm. lights to my, to my living room because it's just a 1950s living room. It has terrible lighting. Um, but anymore, you can put a junction box up in anywhere and just have a, a basically thin wire feed down to an led. What looks like a can, but it's just an led, mm-hmm. you know, disc, you know, until you have four inch kind of disc light and it's like, that that does wonders and so depending on your your installation yeah you know, there, there's a lot of great great options out there now yeah Yay yeah, technology. Be, yeah now i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about uh, brian's arch nemesis uh, wilbur he just posted on his blog about some lighting so i think he's <laughs> i think he used the same folks that uh, mark used uh mark mark spagnolo the wood whisper used um mm-hmm. uh, uh, to uh, help design his lighting. And there's some good information in that. So uh, giantcypress.com, uh, I believe it is. I believe it's .com, but it's Giant Cypress. I know that. But uh, check out Wilbur's blog if you're interested in lighting. He has some good information in there too. There you go. Very good. So um, so speaking of Wilbur, so tell us about the happenings <laughs> at the uh, Woodworkers Guild of Rhode Island. I was going to say, I just talked to Wilbur a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Well, hot diggity. How about that? <laughs> How about that? Now, you're like the grand poobah of the uh, Woodworkers Guild of Rhode Island, right? I believe that's my official title, yes. <laughs> okay, good, good. And you've been that for a number of years, so obviously, uh, it, you know, it's a dictatorship there at the uh, Guild. 
They haven't kicked me out yet. <laughs> <laughs> Something's working right. I mean, you got to give it that credit. I, I guess I was also kind of set up in the job, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you're just a figurehead. Exactly. All righty. Well, well, good. Good. Well, so so tell us about the guild. So what's been going on uh, there? So, you know, I've obviously with COVID, it's been just completely crazy. Yeah, I imagine. We, when, oh, what is it, about a year ago now, we had our uh, our March meeting. Mm-hmm. And there were like whispers of this virus that was going around, and like it must, after, must have been early March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, oh, sorry, it's the first Wednesday of the month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like after the meeting, kind of between, we have our our board meeting the next week, and we kind of thought maybe we should do something about you know the April meeting. And by the time the board meeting came around, it was like, yeah, we've got to cancel that one. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, we kind of didn't know what what to do, so we kind of jumped on the Zoom bandwagon, like a lot of people did. Sure. And I I kind of became the uh, the the travel guy, so I would go out and we were trying to book kind of local guys. We had some guys up in like Foxborough, Mass, and like Springfield, Mass kind of area, um, like two ish hours away. And I don't mind doing the driving, so I would go out there with all of our camera equipment and stuff like that and try to shoot in their shops. But uh, but recently we've been trying to – I think everybody's kind of gotten used to it, and a lot of the guys that do you know do this for a living, do presentations um, and teach and stuff like that, are pretty well set up for doing kind of a distance learning thing. Right. So we've had – yeah, our last – well, in January, I guess it was uh, we had Wilbur from his shop in New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't have to drive to New Jersey, which is always a plus. Yeah, isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, that's nice. And that was great. You know, he he talked about uh, uh, Japanese chisels. Yep. And last month, February, we had uh, Curtis Buchanan from live from Tennessee. Oh, fantastic. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, because he's been doing a lot of stuff with Elia. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. He's, he's all set up. And I think, was Eric running that for him? Yep. Yeah, yep. it was on Eric's phone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, next month we have uh, Matt Kenny. Oh, fantastic. Mm. In a couple of days here. So, yeah. Well, now, do y'all, do y'all have a, uh, a, a building or a spatial uh, own rent or whatnot for the guild? We have a, a school that we, well, we used to have our meetings in, mm-hmm. uh, a charter school that we kind of had a kind of a deal with where we are kind of building up their their workshop. And so as, you know, in return, we get to have our meetings there. Oh, OK. That's cool. That's cool. So that's still yeah. an ongoing relationship. I was just wondering if that was impacted by by any of this. Yeah, for sure. Not really. Um, yeah. We still have the relationship, but we haven't been holding meetings there, obviously, because obviously. we're just doing everything online. But, uh, so do you, do you see an opportunity, uh, you know, kind of to expand the guild's presentation base beyond local? I mean, you're 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 bringing in presenters from all over the country yeah. uh, remotely. I mean, are you seeing an opportunity to expand the guild out beyond just Rhode Island? Um 
for remote attendance. Yeah, we've kind of we we've played with it actually. There's a Turner's group that's kind of our sister organization, and they do they actually just added like a I don't remember what they call it, but like an associate level membership, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is like you can sit in on the you're not like going to the the local meetings, but you can sit in on the Zoom, which currently is kind of everything. But yeah, I, for sure. But I think they're going to keep continuing that. And yeah, it's actually it's not a bad idea. We're kind of we're kind of playing it by ear. What what's going to happen in the future? Yeah, because it's kind of opened up an opportunity to have remote learning and to have kind of like a meeting where your presenter isn't in the room with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when you said that Wilbur did a presentation on chisels, I thought, man, I would have loved to have sat in on that. And there's no reason I couldn't have other than I'm not a member, mm-hmm. um, you know, and um, it's, you know, if you have the connections and you have the people, there's no reason you, you couldn't even you could even charge for tickets, you know, for just a single event. Right. Um, of course, you'd rather have that that continuous income. But, um, yeah, it's it's really Everything is different, right? The whole ear, the whole world is on its ear. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. there's opportunities left and right. You just, you, you know, because people are comfortable with things they were never comfortable with before. Yeah, yeah. I think there'll be yeah. a lot of changes. Yeah. 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 As, as much as my company has officially uh, hired an employee that lives two states away from the office he reports to. Yeah. You know, you don't yeah. have to be in the same building, same room, same anything anymore. There's a way of making this work. And building, going into like a woodworking guild, that's a really cool way because I know there was, um, you know, the opportunity to bring a presenter into a, a, a woodworking guild. There's some some struggles there. I mean, there your your guild may have a budget of sorts, but is it enough to to ship some, you know a Wilbur Pan across the state line and get him a hotel and wine and dine him for the evening because he's going to present? Not necessarily. But if there's an opportunity to have him film in home at, or in his own shop and transmit that, that opens it up to so many more possibilities. It's one of the almost like silver linings to what we're going through mm-hmm. is that we're, we're realizing the, these possibilities uh, going forward. And like this is much more open. I mean, look, I mean, we talked about it earlier. I mean, these online classes that all these fantastic woodworking teachers are performing and presenting, you now have the chance to do something that you very well could have had a very hard time doing before. You know, yeah. that's that's really really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how much are dues for the uh... yeah, the Rhode Island Woodworking Club? Uh, we do thirty five bucks a year. Oh boy! Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't think you need to add an associate level. That's a that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, that brings me back to the point. You know, there are a bunch of places that don't have any woodworking clubs or guilds or anything. So, yeah, that would definitely be an opportunity for someone that that uh, to uh, to join like your organization to you know, hey, interact once a month uh, with some folks, whether that be you know online, just seeing a video or you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that could yeah. be interesting. But then, you know, you got the other side is if you do have those in-person meetings, do you use, do you lose that dynamic with having a bunch of people that are members of your guild that aren't there? I don't know. 
Yeah, there's that's true. I mean, as yeah. much we we talked, I mean, early on in our thing, I mean, our our the start of our podcast was was based around the conversation between woodworkers because we're solitary beings. We do things in our basements or our shops, you know, to get group like-minded people together, whatever that means, you know, how could that benefit us? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, yeah. You know, we're not new Englanders, but I know woodworking is much better. Mark, you mentioned you're in a, you're in a drought in your area. For certain things, I mean, I I grew up in Midwest, you know, you know, Northwest Ohio, you know, I I don't have access to the same things that the New England area does. For you know, there's traditional woodworking still being done in those areas. If there's a chance for a teacher to get in there and it was publicized, there's a good chance I would tune in, you know, and pay to tune in. You know, there's really opportunity there. Well, all I know is I'm on the uh, on your website and it says email us for a zoom link for the next meeting so i'm just going to email you and i'll see what happens <laughs> yeah for sure i mean that, that would be awesome i mean yeah i mean brian who's who's next up i mean let's let's advertise it right now i mean who's who's yeah, up you got you coming see? up on your speaking <laughs> if you're, uh, if you're number, the second what is it april 2nd uh march 2nd march 2nd okay With, who uh, is it Kenny. oh matt kenny yeah matt kenny yeah okay. so cool I mean, yeah, let's let's roll that out. Like, I mean, tune Throw in. Down Fifteen bucks and yeah, watch yeah. the webcast. Are they are they recorded for post enjoyment? They are. Yeah, uh, we've been putting up on our uh, our YouTube channel. Oh my gosh, for we sure. Have, you know, we have to clear it through the through the presenter because some of these guys do this for a living and yeah, yeah, don't understand secrets. <laughs> well, it's not secret so much, but kind of like. You know, uh, we have uh, Bob Van Dyke is a pretty, pretty often does uh, presentations for us. And like he he teaches for a living. So if he has that out on the Internet, then that's not, you know, somebody that's going to come to his his mm-hmm. learning. For sure. For sure. I mean, there's reasons to that. I, I totally understand that. OK, but, I just subscribed. <laughs> there you go. You got one more. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure after this podcast, you'll have a bunch of subscriptions. Yeah, there's Wilbur's uh, thing right there. It's a boy. It's almost two hours long. So that's fantastic. Oh my gosh! I mean, there you go. I mean, this is this is like legitimately, you know, you quick quickly realize that it's a couple hundred dollars to go to a fine woodworking live or woodworking in America. You know, any one of those things where you could get to sit in on presenters. There's a presenter like like Wilbur who has presented at Woodworking in America, speaking to the Rhode, Rhode Island Woodworking Club, a two-hour session, and it might cost you 15 bucks. Shoo, deal. Well, yeah, you need to put this behind the paywall, and or at least let us use it as a uh, Patreon. Get a monitor uh, stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one way or the other. I mean, you're either building it by subscriptions or you're building it by session by session by session. You know, however you want to do it. I mean, there's a good way of, of actually building it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yep, but forget I everything I said. I just subscribe <laughs> to your channels. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> well, that is fantastic. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, listeners, uh, get out there. And uh, I just uh, searched for Woodworking uh, uh, Guild of Rhode Island, and it's right there. And uh, you can uh, subscribe. So, fantastic. Yeah, subscribe to us and 
search out local woodworking guilds because yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have to see how well this yeah exactly and i'm sure there's a bunch of people that are doing this but um yeah so that is fantastic yeah i need to call up to kansas city call the guild up there and see what they've done to pivot because they they've been they're an excellent guild and they're um you know they're yeah, don't they have like the, the like the best decked out shop you could imagine their shop is pretty awesome um yeah, yeah. and i don't know i'm not i'm not sure i'm sure the shop is probably still working they're just requiring distancing and masks and um but they they've they've had a history of bringing in really good guests as well so um you know if if you're if you're pushed into getting comfortable with the technology you might as well leverage it and mm-hmm. you know, find a way to bring it to more to a bigger audience and and bring in some more funds. I mean, that's what the guilds are for is to, you know, the more the more money you have, the the more the better guests you can pay, the more often you can bring them in. I mean, it's uh, it's never a bad idea to to bring in some revenue to a club like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like I don't know. I think Rhode Island's got Kansas City beat, but it does look like uh, Kansas mm-hmm. City is just starting to put their meetings online or okay. on YouTube. So. Yeah, at least I assume that's the same, uh, the Kansas City Woodworking Guild that we're talking about. That sounds like the one. I don't know of any others. Yeah, so. Well, cool. Well, hopefully that's worth the price of admission right there. (laughs) (laughs) Go to Patreon and support the show. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So, um so anything else going on uh, with you? Any upcoming projects? Any new tools? Anything you're, you're planning on doing? Actually, I just ordered a track saw. Oh, which one? Today. I ended up getting the Makita one. Mm-hmm. It got really, you know, uh, really good reviews. Yep. As good as the Festool. Nothing's going to be as good as the Festool. But uh, it was about half the price, so right. I was willing to deal. I think those all use are kind of interchangeable with the Festool tracks too. So if you ever do go Festool, then you can still use the saw. And I consider it still kind of a a rough tool. Mm-hmm. Like if I need to, you know, I don't need millimeter accuracy. Right. If I need to take a few thou off of it. I have a very large collection of hand planes that I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So yep. you know, tweak things. So. Now is this more from your DIY work or? You looking at shop or a little bit of both? A little bit of both. Uh, okay. Like the main driver is shop furniture. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've kind of just in the last month or so decided where my shop is going to be. So I'm planning to put in, you know, walls and flooring and all the, you know, things that a civilized space should have. <laughs> right. Right. And get like all the really crappy um shop furniture you know stands and stuff that i've put together over the years and build some nice you know hardwood plywood stands with drawers that i can yeah. actually put stuff in and not just have things strewn all over the shop so that i think that'll be very handy for breaking oh, yeah. goods because oh for sure i was thinking about it and i was like you know i can do a, tons of stuff with hardwood but or solid wood but I don't have any way of breaking down sheet goods. <laughs> it's a jigsaw and then plane it flat, and that will take forever. <laughs> yes, yes, it would. Yeah, you'll you'll like that track saw. I mean, that's yeah, that's you know, for for that type of job, that's way better than owning a, a table saw. I think, as far as you know, just breaking down sheet goods on occasion. 
So next up, you're going to get a, a, a joiner, right? Yeah. <laughs> joiner player, planer combo, maybe? No. 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 That would be tempting, but. Uh, no, tempting for sure. I gave away my joiner, actually. Gave away? I had a jointer. You savage. That's right. Well, I've got a jointer plane. Yeah, right. Yeah. It does the same thing, right? <laughs> Give to the take. Yes. You don't have to change the blades on it. That's the changing the blade on my jointer plane is a lot easier than playing changing the blades on my jointer. So. Yes, it is. Yeah, unless you you know you go all out get the helical heads with the carbide inserts and hey, mm-hmm. not a big deal. <laughs> you just got to remember to rotate them around every few years. I think yep. I'm about due, but hey, it's still cutting well, so. It, it, and it, it's been years, but my dad's got a six-inch jet joiner, mm-hmm. and and just knowing where the grooves are on those te- on those plates <laughs> <laughs> is a treat all of an, on itself. You know, you just gotta yeah. I don't want to go directly against the fence. I want to pull away a little bit, but you know, <laughs> still maybe still be in contact and just yeah. yeah oh yeah. That's, oh yeah. That's because because yeah. He, the and we've talked about you know like oh we could do the Shelix you know upgrade for this but it's basically the price of more than half of a new one so maybe maybe well yeah it's a, you said it's a jet yeah well when jet has their you know semi what yeah, bi monthly sale so. when it's like ten percent or fifteen percent off mm-hmm. you can order parts at, and you can still get that that uh, oh discount. can you okay yes okay okay i've always yeah. just focused on the, the frontline stuff i'll dig in yeah just that. go to the woodcraft yeah that's it yeah because <laughs> i my uh my 12 inch uh joiner planer the jet um you know when i bought it they didn't have the helical head and then when they came out with the one with the helical head i i uh i bought it during one of those sales and i said you know call my local woodcraft go can i get this on sale and i said sure Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I mean, they had to order it and get it shipped in, but I got the the sale price on it. So yeah, and it, it was much because I think I think Bird makes that for them. If if uh, memory serves, if it's got Shelix in the name, yeah. it's a bird. It's a bird. Yeah. yeah, they own that name. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Bird makes it for them, and it was much cheaper buying it from Jet with the with the discount, or even without the discount, than it was buying it from Bird. So. But, you know, that was, golly, that had to have been eight years ago at this point in time. So times might have changed. It's not a market I keep <laughs> keep up on. But anyway, well, enough of that. So uh, why don't we move on to our fortnightly beer choices? Yay! Yeah, so I'll start off. So I'm doing something new. <gasps> I'm doing some cider tonight. So. Okay. Austin East Ciders. I'm having their original dry cider. And it's a uh, little, um, uh, I don't know, I guess brewery. I don't know if you call a cider a cider. A cidery? Cideria. Cideria. Cidery, cidery, sure. Something like that. But they're out of Austin, Texas. And uh, I've always seen this in the store, and I've never uh, picked it up. So I decided, you know, I'm not feeling beer uh, today. So I decided to try their uh, dry cider. And it's really nice. And not bad. It's like five percent alcohol. It's easy drinking. So yeah. Yeah, they're usually pretty light, pretty nice for the the warmer weather you got down there. I, I like a good cider. Yeah. So pretty, pretty highly cool. recommended. I don't know 
if you can get it outside of Texas, but you know, I'm a long way from Austin. But, That's true, but it, I've never, I can't say I've ever seen Austin eat cider, eat ciders anywhere. So it might be within Texas. Well, who knows? There but, you go. So yeah. Sean, what are you drinking? So I will say, I, I was in the store and I saw some Shiner something. It wasn't. <laughs> it was like a Springbok. I don't know. I don't know. I almost that, got they, it. They're like, they're like everybody. They got like twenty different beers at this point. Yeah, exactly. But. Yeah. When I saw Diami today, one of the last things he said to me was that, hey, get a good one for me tonight. Drink a good one. I said, okay. So I seeked out a New England IPA because I know he likes New England IPAs. And I found an Omegong Neon Rainbows New England IPA. I don't know why it's called Neon Rainbows. It is a softer New England IPA. It's not so cloying that it's like that really strong what (laughs) New England IPAs can be. But it's pretty good. I, I, I can't have to say. And Omegong, I, I don't even know where Omegong is made out of. Um, I'm probably not even saying their name right. But yeah. New uh, York? Is it New York? It might be New York. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're out there. I think they're pretty wide distribution. You know, if I get it, you know, something like that, it's way out of state. Like, it's it's pretty good. But yeah, Neon Rainbow. It's caught my eye. And I was like, yeah, all right. I'll try that. For Diami. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> lift, lift your glass. There you go. So, Mark, uh, so, yeah, Mark, what do you got? I am drinking an Elysian Contact Haze. It's a hazy IPA, and it, mm-hmm. this this beer is going to catch heavy rotation in the summer. It's it's a pretty good beer, not nearly as bitter as some of the IPAs out there, and uh, lots of citrus and fruit flavors. And okay. oh, cool. Yeah, I've I'm been pleasantly surprised. So I'll have to. I, I I'm almost positive I've seen that. And so they're they're everywhere. I mean, they've got like I've I've definitely seen a lesion or a lesion. Yeah, yeah I want to say the same thing, but it's been forever sure. since I've actually been in a store. But that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Where are they out of? Do you know? Uh, I think they're from Seattle. Yeah. Okay. Seattle, Washington, and and, Mer- <laughs> and and Merrimack and Fort Collins, Colorado. So they have uh, spread, but Seattle's listed first. So I'm guessing that's where they came from originally. Okay. Okay, so. but the, the, if they've got different distribution sites, different production sites, yeah. and if they're getting, uh, if, if it's been seen in Texas, seen in Missouri, and I know I've seen a lesion up here in Ohio, so yeah, good chance yeah. it's out like there. If you like this citrusy, hazy IPAs, it's, this is a good one. Yeah, I, w- I will cheat, and I, I before this, I had a, um, a fruited sour um, by a... Oh, a you and your sours. I know, I know, but a Columbus Brewery... <laughs> That I'm telling you, if you if you can handle sours, I'm not saying I'm I'm bold by handling them, but boy, get a good fruity sour for the summertime. They're great. It was good tonight, but it'd be better if it was warm outside. Well, I gotta say, I was listening to one of my podcasts. I listen to a lot of varied podcasts, and sours came up as the new hip thing. Mm. And like uh, I, I was like, Ooh, Sean's <laughs> yeah. been on sours way before they were hip. Oh, yeah. I'm totally, I'm hipster on sours, man. I tell you, <laughs> the first time I had something that had a bit of salt water or, or just, you know, weird, you know, yucky smell to it. That was like, no, that's actually pretty <laughs> damn good. Not probably not good for me, but good. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, Brian, enough, enough talk about us. What do you got, buddy? I've got, uh, I'm doing juice bombs tonight. It's uh, from Sloop Brewery out of, actually, the bottom of my friend's hill. 
Um, <laughs> okay. Well, that sounds pretty Curry. local. This is from a, my, my neighbor's garage. <laughs> <laughs> They're based out of the Mid-Hudson Valley in New York. So uh, okay. Poughkeepsie area, uh, East Fishkill and Hopewell Junction are their breweries. Um, and they do one of the best New England IPAs I've had. Wow. Mm. Which is odd because they're not technically in New England, but yeah. I'm okay with that. And right. Yeah, I mean, that term New England IPA has been tossed around a lot, obviously. I mean, I had, I had another one today, and even Mark had one today. They're all New England IPAs. Hey, yeah, how well, about I that? Yeah, I think Casey, you know? they call it and, New England. Yeah, but um, that's, it's, that's really cool. I mean, I, I hope to make my way out your 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 neck of the woods sometime soon and uh and be able to try that that's to to get it like from the source you know like if that's what a true if that's what it's like you know that's what i kind of want i want i want to get the the basis of that mm. yeah cool. it's cool. out here well let's uh let's move on so brian uh so if folks want to catch up with what you're doing and what charlie's doing where can they find you on the interwebs i think it's mostly charlie now yeah, I think it is, but yeah, that's cool too. Uh, it's uh, Brian underscore C underscore Brazil on Instagram, or I think swampyankeeworkshop.com will also take you to my Instagram. Of course, you know, it always does. Swampyankee.com. Swampyankee.com. Swampyankee Workshop. Fantastic. And, and where can folks find uh, the uh, Woodworking Guild of Rhode Island? Uh, www.gri.com or .org, depending on how you feel. Okay, Either fantastic. Way. So, Mark, what about you? Well, you can uh, you can find my workbenches and shave horses and all the other shop furniture I make at plate11.com. Uh, you can find me at Mark Builds It on Instagram, and you can find my videos at Plate11 Woodworking on YouTube. How about you, Sean? Oh, I'm pretty much anywhere you can look. I'm Sean W78. I'm a little di- different on Facebook, but you can find me there too. Kyle, how about you? Uh, you can always find me at Barton.Kyle on Instagram or my uh, YouTube channel. Since I actually mentioned it on our last uh, couple of episodes, I actually got a few new subscribers, so that's great. Everyone's <laughs> enjoying the pain of my videos. <laughs> Up to 10 now, huh? That's pretty good. Oh, wow. No, I think I'm like 12, you know. Oh, but, man. Oh, making it. Well done. Exactly. Exactly. It's a oh, niche. So. We're in a niche. Can't yeah, it's true. Yeah. Very true. Exactly. Exactly. So with that, that just about wraps it up for this show. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. And if you've made it this far, go to patreon.com forward slash mwa podcast absolutely and thanks for listening yeah and thanks for supporting us you know and in any way you can uh if you can follow us on instagram at mwa underscore podcast uh you can check out our our patreon at patreon.com slash mwa podcast and the best thing you can do is tell a friend because after all word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion